This episode of All Things Business, the podcast, is brought to you by our digital media partner, DFA Law. DFA Law, providers of expert and dedicated legal advice to businesses and families since 1838. DFA Law, the law firm for life. Fraser. Ben. All right. Yep, very well, mate. You? Yeah, very good. Got two more guests today. I know, coming thick and fast. I know. And on the on the subject of um, quality high-end business events, mm. this takes me back about 10 years to my first appearance. I'll say first appearance. First time was I attended the Northamptonshire Limited Report. Bit of uh, nostalgia. Yeah. How, uh, how Northamptonshire has changed in 10 years. So our guests, Matt, Mike, how are you? Very good, thank you. Yeah, good, thank you very much. Thanks Relax, for Mike, us. don't look too nervous. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, f- for those watching and listening, just Matt, just introduce you, yourself. and. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Matt Thompson. I'm a corporate partner at House Percival. Uh, been there far too long now and uh, feeling really part of the Northamptonshire furniture. So, uh, yeah. Yep. Cool, and yeah, Mike Tilson, corporate finance partner at Grant Thornton. Um, so I lead Northampton's and the East of England for GT Advisory. And, you know, we support private business owners across a whole range of, of, of professional services. So just to set the scene, um, I, first time I went to the Northamptonshire Limited event, probably about nine years ago at the Saints. Yeah. Great event, 200 people in, in, in there for the breakfast that Mike Hughes used to host when he was obviously yep. with Grant Thornton. But Northampton Limited has very much been, the, the, I suppose, the, the baby of Grant Thornton. Um, it's been going. This is the eleventh report, yeah. and it's basically a report based on the top one hundred privately owned businesses in the county. Yeah, that's right. By revenue, so the the, the purpose of, is really to celebrate and promote the top one hundred um, companies. Um, you know, we, you know, a lot of companies we go and see and tell them you're in the top hundred, and they're they're really pleased. We give them the little trophy, and you know, some you know many of them have it all the years lined up against you know each other yeah. that they've been in there, and it's something they take pride in, and it's just a great talking point as well for us to get to know them and, and understand what they do often when you pop in and see them to give the award the award you'll get to go around the factory or the facility whatever it is and just learn more about the business get to know the the owner or the leadership team so for us it's just a great tool to meet some really good businesses now you, you obviously worked with house personal for a number of years but matt from your perspective house personal are a lot more involved this year than perhaps previous years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, like you, Ben, we've we've been to the uh, the awards, the sort of the Northamptonshire Limited Breakfast a number of years, and uh, really su- supporting it. And the first time we've really had a chance to actually get under the skin of the report and and co-author it alongside Grant Thornton. So we're really really proud to be able to do so. We've got a really good working relationship with the guys at Grant Thornton. Work really closely with with Mike and his team. It's just nice to be able to put our name to something that is, yeah, as, as you say, a really good celebration of business in Northampton. It, it takes me back, actually, to, I don't know if you remember a, a lady called Julia Schumacher. Okay. I think she still lives in the county, but she worked for what was Northamptonshire Enterprise Partnership, yeah. NEP, mm-hmm. um, that used to be on the, uh, I think they're on the Billing Road in Northampton. And back, back then, their job was to promote Northamptonshire to other areas of the country, encourage businesses when they were looking at relocating or acquisitions or redeveloping you know come to Northamptonshire don't go to Nottinghamshire don't go to (laughs) Leicestershire come to Northamptonshire and Julia ran a very um, active uh, on the sort of front foot um, scheme called the Northamptonshire Ambassadors it wasn't a club but they had 100 people basically that wore the badge with pride 
and I remember attending a number of events there years ago and the same conversation was coming up, which Northamptonshire is not just known for shoes and high performance engineering. We're so much more than the British Grand Prix. Mm. And this report definitely does that. Yeah. Because mm. I think you were probably, you've never been to one or you haven't been yet, have you? To the Northamptonshire Limited, I went to the last one. <coughs> what did you think? What did you think to that? Because as a first time, first timer. Um, I, I think the insight into the report's phenomenal because we here at All Things Business probably a little bit more fortunate than other people because we deal with the broad spectrum yep. of businesses across the county. Um, but like you said earlier, there's there's people on that list that were like scratching their head. Who are you? Yeah. How are you? Yeah. Turning over more than £18.3 million pound yeah. and it, it, they stand out. Yeah, and just on that then, Mike, for people that haven't perhaps seen, well, they wouldn't have seen this report yet, but maybe not being aware of the report, who comes in at number one and gives an idea of what their turnover is versus number 100? Yes, yeah, so I think number one is 1.4 billion. Um, and that's Avara Foods. Yeah, and down to, I think you said 18.3 million at the bottom end. So it is a real spread. Um, you know, those companies at the top end are probably, or most of them are, you know, multinational organizations, um, you know, selling all over the world, probably multi product, multi category. Um, you know, very complicated or complex in their operations, supply chain, finance, tax, etc. And there's obviously, you know, so much support and, and services that, that they'll naturally consume and, and, and want to need to consume. And so, you know, that, that's great for the professional services community. And then down at the bottom is probably, you know, cliche would be your kind of owner managed business or private company that, you know, perhaps as, um, you know, kind of multi-generation and, and they, they're perhaps not working with, you know, the, the bigger name advisors in town, but, you know, they're great businesses, you know, they make good profit at that level. And we obviously report on profit as well as just revenue. And so, you know, there's so much value you can add to those companies. And I think something that Matt, you know, part of the reason that we did this report together, which you mentioned, is actually, we think we can have more value by working together, you know, mm, by... Absolutely. You know, before we released the report, we ran, ran through the list together. Who do you know? Who do you know? And, oh, we actually, we, you know, we, we we help them with, you know, certain things, obviously, within confidentiality. But but by joining some dots and then actually being, being able to go and speak to those companies with kind of a more joined up approach on how we can help them on certain things, it just adds it just adds value. And, you know, we want, you know, candidly, you know, we, we want to do this with all advisors. This isn't just HP and, and GT. This is... You know, we're going to be hosting a dinner for many of the attendees or many of the, the, the companies that feature in the top 100 in the new year. And we're happy for other advisors to bring their clients. You know, if we don't service them, but another, you know, you, you mentioned other law firms earlier, just before we started, you know, if, if they can bring clients, then fantastic, because actually it's all about sharing our relationships and our contacts to add value. You know, business gets done when people are talking about yeah, stuff, not, when they're, the not, when, they're, not yeah. when they're being protective and, and kind of secretive about what they're doing, right? Yeah, and I think that's the that's highlighted in the report that there's so much good news in. It's actually refreshing to read this report yeah. rather than the last one that I saw mm -hmm. because that was during the turbulence times where it, there's, the report was all over. But I think majority of employees are up. Um, gross turnover. EBITDA. I think, uh, EBITDA is, is, is up. Um, from your perspective, perspective Matt mm. is it a particular standout either as a sector or the performance of a particular business oh yeah sectors is a big, a big thing for me particularly I mean as you said at the outset logistics always comes to mind in Northampton automotive comes to mind but you know did we think that we'd have 30 companies in the consumer sector or you know 23 in the industrial product sector which in the consumer sector represents nearly 50 percent of the total turnover that's just under five billion yeah, yeah absolutely right yeah. in the top 100 
collectively it was about 10 billion correct yeah and then you know tech businesses you know eight, eight tech businesses that are, are in there we're, we're sort of one percent behind cambridgeshire in terms of yeah. the amount of tech businesses that we've got here but we don't shout about that enough yeah. i don't think we do as a sort of it's a real standout we, we, we spoke about it before coming on the there's loads of things that jump off the page here but the the tech one compared to cambridgeshire that was i don't know almost a proud moment of look at northamptonshire yeah and you've got obviously this year the acquisition of ACS by Beckler. If I'm honest, I hadn't heard of Beckler before that. Nope. Beckler are a four billion euro business a year. Seven. Seven, sorry. All right. What's three billion between pals? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm sitting on here. Not, not in your chair, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seven billion. You know, yeah. you can't, the size and, I mean, straight away, I'll just think of the HR department there. <laughs> like, how many people is that? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you've got, uh, total Computer Networks are over in Ketchin on the A14 there. Yeah. Um, I think Aidan Groom's the MD there. I've, I've mm-hmm. never been in his company, but from what I understand, he's a very uh, very good businessman, entrepreneurial. He's got a great team there, and they've consistently been in the top 100 yeah. for the last few years. So, And then, of course, a, a company that's a bit closer to my heart in signing app. Yep. You know, Dan Hardin yeah. and Chris Burton have done a great job there, and, and that's now an international business that's a tech business that was born at the heart of, Northamptonshire. Yeah. I've used now- that twice today. I think to sign, in, to sign in here and somewhere I was earlier. So you, you see it everywhere now, yeah. which is great. And yet it's such a a sim a simple concept that's now obviously evolved and gone into other industries and quite rightly is is getting international recognition. Mm-hmm. But again, it's been born out of Northamptonshire. Yeah. Um so I, I yeah, I, I, to echo what Fraser said, I think it's um makes you feel quite proud really. Mm-hmm. And but also probably a question for you Mike how Grant Thornton carry out I think 11 of these or 11 different areas Um, how do we as Northamptonshire fare or compare against the other areas well I might just pick up on signing up just to to finish that bit because we sold that business to um, PSG which is a US based fund Um, they had approached the, the owner of signing up and uh, he attended last year's the panel, yeah, yeah, the yeah. event, right? And you know <laughs> what he said was he was really passionate about building the business in Northampton. So you know all the staff, their office was here. You know he he was really looking to employ people from the town, not not move to London or to any of the other places, right? Just because yeah. it might be higher profile, but actually build presence and, and people here. So I think that's a great story. And now you know the the presence of PSG as an investor in that. They um, they're going to help that business internationalize. They're going to you know provide opportunities for the staff. They're going to give capital. You know that you know they as a as a private equity fund alone. So many other businesses where signing up will now be learning from those other businesses, yeah. potentially collaborating. So it just shows you that you know if big US funds are coming swooping into Northampton to buy businesses, there's obviously some you know good stuff going on here. Um, a friend of mine actually owned a business um, founded here called ISAMS. It's a school software business yeah. that was bought by Iris wasn't quite big enough to be in the top 100 but sold for a very high price at a time when sort of tech multiples were were very strong i think at the time they employed about 100 people plus most of whom who worked out of um, the northampton office so um you know there are some great tech businesses Mm here and um it's great but i'm trying to remember what your second question was and I'm how, how do we compare to how other do we compare? Areas so, so i think that the the best stat from this report is that profit or ebitda is up 22 and a half percent um year over year which is the highest compared to any of the other counties um revenue up sort of 16 percent, i think so that again is is very strong but but that ebitda growth was the highest and 
that the growth that we saw principally came from tech and services and services included logistics but it just shows you that i mean the logistics you can see everywhere you can see yeah. all the you know the new buildings government i i grew up here and and you know just sort of driving uh, you know around today it just looks so different to when to when i even you know first started work sort of 15 16 years ago um but the tech is a little bit more under under the radar under right because it's yeah. in sort of buildings like this that that you know it's kind of not so obvious what they're doing but there are so many fantastic businesses around yeah i mean you look just surrounded by us how many sheds to quote the technical term have, have been yeah erected bracknell's around the corner there is, is, is active is full of them active yeah. ants yeah well, there's a the classic example of logistics and yeah logistics yeah. tech e-commerce all coming together. All coming together. Um, so, Matt, do you, what, do you want to add on to anything to that from a house personal perspective in ge geographical comparison? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think in reality we 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 always undersell Northampton. I think, and it, and it's not not Northamptonshire. Not, Northamptonshire. Yeah, no, no, we <laughs> Don't do. Don't forget Wellingborough Ketchup. Absolutely Corby. not. No, no, <laughs> they'll be right. ringing up. You're absolutely <laughs> right to correct me, Ben. No, I think you know we, we we sometimes get a bit of a bad press, and and, and actually it's it's times like this when you look at the reports like this, you know, comparing us to the other um, counties that that GT do this report on. There's not many that will have statistics like this across mm. the board in all categories, just showing the growth, the you know, of, of profit, of turnover, of of employee numbers, of salaries, of everything else that goes with it. We're yeah, we're we're really lucky, aren't we, to be working. Agreed. Completely. And and I think Mike, if I may, mm. and, and definitely I want your opinion as well on this, Matt. I think there's a lot of businesses out there, business owners, that don't necessarily have an exit plan. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, 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 I think that there are some business owners out there as well that they might treat their business as a lifestyle business until actually it starts to become a bit serious, mm. and that's through hard work, determination, maybe a little bit of luck as well. Mm. But then it's almost like, actually, what, where do I want to be in five years? Yeah. And mm. and I think there are some, and I've I've been fortunate enough to be in the company of some where they don't necessarily have a plan as such, but they've got really good successful businesses. Yeah. What advice would you? give those people and at what level would they need to be before they maybe start thinking about having a conversation around what exit looks like mm. well look, it, it, it's so important to be prepared and um because we were actually just doing a presentation internally about this together between our firms and about exit planning succession planning because being ready is so important because you know timing is everything you know, if, if you're not ready when the market's good or when those buyers really want to buy you, so take take the ISAMs example I mentioned earlier, they they weren't ready, but they had a great business and they had a swarm of buyers all looking to get into the, the independent schools uh, software market at the same time um, because there's all these consolidators building big software businesses. And, you know, they managed to do a deal really capitalizing on competitive tension. But... So you want to be ready with you know your your kind of management team there that a buyer can can buy into that you you know that you've got good forecasts that you've got um, solid historicals that they're audited that you know you've if you're a manufacturing company that you've got um, well invested fixed assets that actually can you've got capacity to grow and all that sort of good stuff right so you know the, the better prepared you are when the market's good you can really capitalize on it if if you're not ready and you, you know you need to sell because you've you've had a change you know kind of change your lifestyle or something's happening in the family and you sort of decide to want to do things then you know you might be selling into a cold market or where you're not quite as prepared and you're not going to get as high value but if you've got everything in place 
um, you, you can capitalize it. And the one thing we say, I think we think succession planning is the most overlooked part of exit readiness. You know, if you do have a good management team, you can do the cliche sit on the beach and take the dividends if you want, or you know, you can sell the business to a buyer that has full confidence in that management team's ability to keep driving growth. You know, if if you're seen as super important to the business and critical to its day-to-day sort of function, a buyer's not going to let you go as part of a transaction. They're going to want you to either stay invested with some equity or, you know, tied in for two to three years running the business. So, you know, being ready just gives you more options. When you say ready, <clears throat> just the, the time scale of that, just for people that may be listening, watching, that are considering it. Are you talking 12 months? Are you talking five years? How, what, define ready as a business? I think ideally you want to be thinking about it sort of three to five years ahead, right? And and putting some building blocks in place. So, you know, if you if you rush to do everything, you could do it in kind of six six months on kind of what I would call the more hygiene side. So the accounting mm-hmm. side, the legal side, making sure your contracts are signed, making sure that you don't have a lease that's due to run out where the landlord actually wants, you know, to kick you out in a few months yeah. or whatever it might be. But um, so the, the, the hygiene side, you can get ready in a shorter period of time. But the, you know, getting in the right management team, that's not something you fix overnight, right? And a buyer's going to want that team to be incumbent for probably a good couple of years before Mm. they feel fully confident that that is the team running the business and it's not you running the business. Um, Equally, if you need to invest to grow, whether it's, you know, buy a new piece of machinery or invest more in sales and marketing, as we all know in life, things take longer to actually come through to fruition and generate profit. So if you're spending X amount of money today to grow profits by Y, you need to give it that time and it needs to come through. So, you know, the the, the sooner you're thinking about it and having a, a view on what you're trying to achieve, the better. Like a buyer wants to know what the plan is. What is the plan from, what have you done to get to where you are, but then what are you going to do for the next, what, what is the business going to do for the next three to five years? So having those building blocks in place with a business plan and all the assets to support it's critical. And probably the, the un- overlooked part of it is probably the legal part. Because <clears throat> you, you, you rightly or wrongly think we need finances need to be in place. But from your perspective, Matt, yeah. what advice can you give to someone that's on that journey where they're thinking actually somebody might want to come and buy my business in the next couple of years? I think, I, yeah, it, it's a similar sort of message to what Mike's saying, but getting your team in place as soon as possible, as early as possible, is, is the most important thing to do. And that's both an internal team and an external team, making sure that team works really well together. So... Yeah, Mike touched on the on the management team. If you get a right management team right from the word go, right almost from inception or from when the business is quite at an early stage, you can introduce things like share option plans for management to help them go on that journey with you to grow that business. And they can be in place for you know an, an EMI scheme can be in place for ten years before the business is is sold. So you can be really early on in that journey and get the legals in place then to make sure that 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 business is ready to to sell in due course. Um, so yeah, getting the right management team, getting the right advisors in place early on. Uh, making sure everybody's pulling to the same goal the most savvy business owners know right from the outset what their end end goal is yeah. that isn't to say that you know if you haven't got that end goal in place you're not going to do well with the business but you can be planning everything from you know do we want to be located here or do we want to have employees here or you know should we put employees in a different company or our ip in a separate holding company or how can we set things up in the most efficient way tax efficient way to make sure that this is the most successful exit for us so i think getting that advice as early as possible is most important. I don't think you have to be a particular size. You mentioned this at the outset. Do you, do you need to be a particular size to get that advice? No, I don't think so. You know, everybody should be talking to their their accountants, their advisors, and you know, one's worth their salt. will put them in the right, you know, put them in for the right people to to talk about the right things. So a company that's turned over a million pound a year now, making 150, 200 grand a year profit, that thinks 
actually, do you know what? <clears throat> in three or four years' time, we could drive this business to three, four million. Yeah. Um, we we need to be having the conversations now, even if it's just to get a better understanding and education. Absolutely. Because the multiples on sales of businesses they change a lot depending on the business or the sector sorry yeah that's right i mean size size is actually sort of really size generic. does matter size does matter <laughs> um and you know bigger businesses um generally command higher multiples because they're seen as lower risk seen as more stable businesses three things i say size growth rate if a business is doubling in size versus one sort of growing five percent the one that's doubling size is obviously worth more because its future profits are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and then sustainability or predictability of revenue. So the classic you know, software company that's got strong recurring revenue, low churn is worth more than the business that every day is spot selling whatever it's selling. And you know, tomorrow make, my make, might make the money if, if the market goes against them. So um, those are the, the three things. There's a whole melting pot of other things that goes to multiple, but those are kind of the three big ones. And EBITDA, earnings before... Tax depreciation and interest tax depreciation sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. and amortization. Yeah. Right, that was the one. Yeah, <laughs> forgive my dyslexia. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Hadling Curd or something like I said the other week on the last podcast? Um, amortization, just layman's terms on that, please. So, amortization is, um, <laughs> is the depreciation of um, effectively an intangible asset. So, um, if you capitalize, um, so if you're building a software company, for example, and you write some code, you can capitalize that onto the balance sheet because that's going to drive yeah, IP. Yeah. And then you have to amortize that. But that's a good thing because you then get a tax offset for it. But um, yeah. Brilliant. Because uh, we, we, EBITDA is a, is a key one mm. and it obviously fluctuates depending on the sector that you're in. Yep. But um, the the formula in terms of working that out is is uh, is a, is an interesting one. Yeah, essentially, what EBITDA is getting to is what's the cash profit of your business because interest cost is really just a function of of how much debt you've got, and different buyers will want or different owners will want different levels of debt. That that's not really indicative of what your business produces. You know, the the interest cost isn't re- indicative of the operations of the business. Same with tax, um, depreciation, and amortization is slightly different because. Both of them are effectively driven by how much capex or how much investment in sort of machinery or software development or whatever you've done in the past. So they are more relevant, but most buyers kind of look at EBITDA, but then we'll have a secondary look at, well, how much DNA is there? Because what that does is it tells them how much capital needs to be invested in the business to help it grow. Obviously, the the more capital intensive, and that could be both capex or working capital, the the worse effectively because you know you're having to constantly invest money to either stay as you are or grow versus a business that's very capex light that actually that that cash profit is all money the business owner can take out the business so we we talk a lot to people about managing their working capital at a level which they don't you know they're not overstocking or they're not carrying too many debtors if they don't need to because that frees up money that creates more cash profit and their business is then more valuable to somebody else if there was a um, anything that was just not a concern, but anything you'd go, like, oh, what would what would there be anything in this report, Matt? Oh, look, it's it's an age old concern, I think, uh, for for a lot of businesses. But it's it's that retention of talent piece, I think, more mm. than anything else. Yeah, it's it's um, we've all been there, right? We're trying trying to get the best people to get into the organisation and then keep them there is is a really hard challenge for a lot of businesses. And um, you know, 
for, for various reasons, we want to try and make sure that homegrown talent is is sort of kept in this region. And it's, uh, you know, Ben, I know you're a big fan of this. Is that that link between education and business yeah. is so so important? So it's a, it's a, I'm glad you said that because um, when I if I go down to London, which is typically two or three times a month, I can't get a seat on the bloody train from Wellingborough, no. and that's because of the amount of talent that's going down. Hmm. And it's the same at Kettering, it'll be the same at Corby, and it is from Northampton as well. And I, I do sort of scratch my head sometimes thinking, I wonder how many people on this platform that are getting up at half past five mm. to go down to the capital are doing it for a job that they could potentially do in Northamptonshire. Because yeah. mm. you only know what you know. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I do feel that there's a bigger, a much bigger conversation here which will have to bridge the gap between local education and business, which we are trying our very best to do. Yeah. Because that the, that message has got to go home to kids that are in year nine, ten, eleven that are starting to think about their career. Yes, if you want to go on to higher education, we're blessed with lots of very um, established and successful colleges locally, and obviously the university. But actually, if you want to go into the world of work, I, I bet you I I couldn't find a business that wouldn't want to take on a school leaver. Yeah. If, the, if it, regardless of what how unique it is, it doesn't matter because Northamptonshire is so diverse. Yeah. Whether it's manufacturing, engineering, professional well, you, services. You could put in the banking side. You yeah. know, how many people go down to the city to work in, in banking and finance? You don't yeah. need to. You've got Weatherbiz and Arkle sat in the, in the heart of Wellingborough that are there and you don't need to. But I think the workplace will change because obviously it's changed in the last few years. But I think that educational side where people realise that you haven't got to get up at half five in the morning yeah. to go and live this dream because it's the old old fashioned way of looking at it you've got to if you want to be big you've got to go to the city you don't mm. need to anymore you, mm -hmm. you read this report from the front to the back and it's something to be proud of Absolutely. so as we bring we're, we're not quite finished but um, we're going to put a link up but for those that want to download a copy or be sent a copy of this Mike how, how do we do it they fill in the form yep GT uh, website fill in the form um, that gets you a copy of the report as well as um, just insights on what we're up to in the county going forward which will be helpful hopefully now it would be remiss of us to let you go without asking you uh, a very important question <laughs> famous question <laughs> so okay. it's a festive season um, okay. you're going out for a Christmas turkey maybe a glass of bubbly or a pint of the black stuff um, which three people Matt would you take past or present okay and why and Mike, okay. you can think about that while um, while he's oh, giving us his answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you're nearest to me, so I'll throw you in first. Okay. Um, so I guess there's a bit of a, I, I kind of, there's a little bit of a business link to this. So let's 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 try and keep it on that that, that front. Um, I quite like to go for a drink with David Attenborough. Yeah. So. And you say, well, why is there a business link to that? Well, yeah, we all know what David Attenborough does, and he's the king at doing what he does, but. Yeah, so many businesses nowadays are looking at sort of ESG. It's becoming more and more mm. prominent. Like, yeah, actually, there's so much businesses could learn from somebody like that. But also, I bet he's quite fun after a few pints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think him. Um, Tom Kerridge has always been somebody I'd, I'd quite like to to go for a pint with. I'd actually quite like him to cook me Christmas dinner one day. Like, yeah, having around the the, the uh, Christmas dinner table, I think he'd be quite an entertaining character. Um, He's sort of quite well known. He's he's built up some quite nice nice businesses himself. Yeah. So um, he'd be quite quite good. Quite entrepreneurial, aren't they? I, I never so, know yeah. if that's the chefs as an individual, yeah. or if it's because they're surrounded by one or two good people in business that have then mm. gone. Actually, we've got you've got an opportunity here to to branch out and diversify. Whether that be other restaurants or 
cookbooks or whatever. But well, yeah, good, good quite guy. Possibly, but but you, you've got to take those opportunities, haven't you? So you've got you've got to be savvy enough to, to to jump on those opportunities, even if someone else has put them in front of you. So so I think David Attenborough, Tom Kerridge, and Freddie Mercury, I think. Bit of a, a bit of a blast from the from the past. A, a bit of a Queen fan brought up on Queen in my house, so um, yeah, that'd be quite a nice thing to to bring out for a drink. Just on uh, the Tom Carriage one, he is, we I'm sure we met him last year at the food and drink at the XL when we with went rationale. Down, with Rationale. Yeah, yeah, really, really interesting chap. You he could had to see his mind quite, quite was, down to earth. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, but, yeah, but, but also uh, yeah, yeah, very great. Right. And he was fantastic with the pupils from Milton Keynes College. Correct. Yeah, yeah Brilliant. He, had, yeah. he encouraged, so they were there on the stand. He was doing like live cooking demonstration and they were there sort of watching and he was actually, no, come on, get involved. Yeah. And he had a couple of them either side of him sort of getting involved with the prepping and stuff and that, yeah, that would have, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. real, it showed him as a, as a true person and, yeah. a, and a creative, but also um, extremely caring and passionate about what he does. Yeah. Impressive table. Okay. Go on, Mike, top that. No pressure. Well, I had, from a business perspective, I'd say Richard Branson. I think he'd have some phenomenal stories of you know entrepreneurship and taking companies into new places and you know transactions he's done and all that. And maybe he'll take me into space as well if I ask him nicely. <laughs> um, similarly to Freddie Mercury, I had Elton John in in okay. my list because I thought you know if you're going to go to a pub or a dinner party, maybe he jumps on the piano and plays some songs yeah, and everyone gets gets into it. That'll be good fun. And then lastly, it would be Barack Obama because I just think as a you know, obviously former president, but generally kind of a, you know, a world leader almost. I just thought, yeah, he was so impressive. And I don't know if anyone's seen the documentary he did and that I think it was called like the last year or the last round or something where he went all around the world to some of the sort of difficult spots and sort of really trying to kind of bring unity and solve problems in his last year. That was such an interesting documentary. And, you know, it's just, he is such a fantastic leader. So, um, yeah, it'd be great to spend some time with him. Brilliant, brilliant. Gents, thank you ever so much. I'm thank really you. glad you've uh, you've come in to talk to us t- today about this. Um, if you're listening or watching this, I'd really encourage you to um, download a copy of the Northamptonshire Limited 2023. It's a great read, great insight, and um, you know who to call <laughs> if uh, if you're thinking about selling your business in a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, gents. Thank you. Thank Cheers you. Thanks Thanks for Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.